talk to guys all the time, but like, does that go anywhere? I don't, maybe it's me. I think I'm a little bit skittish, but I feel like I'm living in the wrong decade. Like I want to date. I'm tired of this back and forth communication over the app. We're like, oh my God, what's your favorite color? What do you like to do on the weekends? Like what? It is really annoying because after you invested so much time in, like you could have been talking to somebody for like two weeks and you invested time in and it doesn't really work out. And they have to do the same thing all over again. And like, I'm talking to like five people now y'all. Like I'm tired of it. I can't keep my story straight. <laughs> I'm not telling a different story. I'm like, yeah, no, I, you tell everybody somebody different. It's, well, I can't get their story straight. It's about five different occupations. I don't know what. Ask me what each one of them do. I don't know. They work. They got jobs. They got jobs. And that's good enough for me. <laughs> So on today's episode, we are speaking with one of my homegirls from high school, Chelsea, and we talk about a a couple of things. Um, We talk about one, her family. We talk about millennial struggles. So growing up as, well, growing up every day as a millennial. We also talk about mental health. I'm Temi Ogunira. I'm Wally Mano. You're welcome to In These Moments. What made me want to sit down with Chelsea was a recollection of a conversation that she and I had back in high school. We're sitting down and I remember she mentioned something about her parents getting divorced and I'm, you know, over here showing my condolences. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Chelsea. (laughs) Preparing to launch into a little heart to heart and Chelsea turns to me and she goes, oh no, girl, thank God. And I'm like, wait, what? And for me, especially being like an African child and growing up in in an environment where people generally, I mean, now things are a little different, but where people traditionally don't get divorces, it was a little, it was different for me to hear because the narrative is often that children are gonna be affected and they're gonna be hurt and everything. But on the flip side, here was Chelsea who seemed elated, if anything. And that's how we're here. Her mom originally comes from Liberia, and her father is African-American. Um, she definitely touches on that as well. She touches on growing up with a mom from Liberia. So her mom was adopted when she was younger, and she she kind of talks about that a little bit as well. And how some of the, the, those two different backgrounds influence her and having to deal with all of that was. The view we have of divorces is one of the kids of, oh God, like feel bad for the kids and her having that other part where she was like actually really happy that they were divorcing to me it's funny because i think that's something a lot of people have thought like watching their parents fight all the time and argue the story we had in episode five i think it was episode five had something like that where she was talking about her parents would like fight a lot and she was just thinking why why don't they divorce you know i also like the fact that she's very funny and i really enjoy that part she also has a very good sense of self-awareness. So I really enjoyed that. But I, th- I think people are going to enjoy the story. So let's just go ahead and get into the story, shall we? You can tell, like, my dad favored my sister over me. I'm sure like all your parents give you like cute little names when you're a kid, right? So you got like, my name's Chelsea, so he would call me Chell, but he would call her Boo Boo. I don't know, just I feel like very overprotective and 
constantly taking her side with certain situations. So like if me and my sister were to fight or if we were to do something wrong, if we were playing around or whatever, my dad would ask us, oh, who did this and who did that? I know I will always get it worse. It made me feel some type of way. Like, oh, I don't have this. We got the same damn father. Why are you treating her like this and not me? I would come home like three o'clock in the afternoon from school. He wouldn't get home from work until like 4.30. And as soon as I heard like the, the car pull up, like that whole psychology thing, like that Pavlovian response, I would just like get all types of attitude. Like, oh damn, he's here. Now I gotta deal with his bullshit. Like he used to hit us as kids. I'm sure you being Nigerian, you get like hit with the spoons and the slippers and all that. But at the there's a time where that stops. And I feel like with him, it didn't stop. And it was worse for me because I wasn't my sister. He would just, just say things and do things. And just, I remember being in high school and I was supposed to go with my friends to the mall for like secret Santa shopping. And then he kept asking me who I was going with. And I was like, oh, my friend, he got into a whole fit and started saying things like, oh, like when she gets pregnant, I'm not gonna help her out with the kid. Like, I'm like, how do we escalate from this to that? I'm like an ice cream person. I eat my feelings. So I would like eat ice cream late at night. And I guess like he just happened to see me eating ice cream this particular night. And it was just like, oh, you keep eating all the ice cream, you're gonna be big and all this one day. Like who, who tells their daughter that? And that like sets the stage for like how you're gonna be as a woman and just like self-esteem and all that. And I feel like right now I'm not where I need to be self-esteem-wise. Like I can joke all day and say, oh, hey, I'm great. <laughs> all the guys want me, but no. After going to therapy for a couple of years, I didn't realize until later that your mom messes you up as well. I didn't even realize because like, you're all, oh, my mom's so great. She does this and this for me. She makes so many sacrifices. But at the end of the day, they got some stuff that needs to be worked out too. Her mom passed away when she was young. So, and then she was adopted. Her father was Nigerian and then her adoptive mom was German. He was a doctor. So I guess he was traveling, whatever. They stayed there. She didn't come here until the eighties. I felt like She's alone for me. Maybe she was alone. Like she had friends, but like not a sister, like real close relationship or whatever. And I didn't realize it until now, but not having that mother figure growing up, like you really don't know, not to say she doesn't know how to parent, but like you don't really know how to be the kind of mom that, you know, cause she wasn't really there. And I see that cause even growing up, she would say things to me, like if I'm getting dressed for school, if I'm doing this or, you know, just trying to find my own way as a kid, as most kids do, you know? She would say things to me like, oh, you're gonna wear that? You're gonna do this with your hair? You're gonna do that? I'm just, and I'm constantly, and even at that age, like constantly second guessing myself. And even to like this day, like because of those comments, like they stick with me, I have like an anxiety attack whenever I have to go somewhere. I don't feel good enough in what I wear. It's like I have to fake it till I make it. And I'm just like, well, I guess I look okay. Just throw some, throw something on that looks, that seems that someone at the store told me to buy because I guess I will look attractive in it and then go out and call it a day. But it's like that situation is just a lot of like insecurities, where insecurity comes from. I don't know if this is like a African mom thing, but after being in therapy and my therapist told me to speak to her about that. You know, I came to her calmly. I'm just like, and you know, this is kind of how I feel about this situation. It makes me feel some type of way when you say things like that. And she, <laughs> she told me, oh, it's not my fault the way you, you feel the way you feel. I was like, well, all right. It's weird. Cause like, I'll ask her all the time about, um, like back home in Liberia and she really won't tell me. So I'm thinking, I don't know if it's just the fact that her mom passed away just that trauma alone. 
she told me at one to 13 and now she's telling me like five. She's like, I don't know when it happened when I asked her again. I was like, mommy, I feel like kids, when something like that happens, you remember. So that, that's how I feel like she might be deeply traumatized by that, which is funny because me and my sister, I guess we're going through similar things with like depression or whatever. So she was seeing a therapist last year because she had a whole thing going on. And when we were talking, me and my sister both um, agreed, like maybe mom should see a therapist. And she's like, oh, I don't need to see a therapist. I talk to plenty of people at work. I'm like, mommy, that's not the same thing. You telling someone your problems is not, or just talking to somebody about them isn't doing anything for you. You know, sometimes you need a person to talk to that's being, I think it's subjective about certain things and have a different perspective on stuff because even like you not having a mom growing up I know that affected you there are so many things that you miss just things that you miss growing up with the mom I mean I'm grateful and all that but like some I think she could have done a little bit better with certain things I asked Chelsea if her mom also like her father beat her and here she shares how she feels about her mother's beatings in comparison to her father's the thing with that was like, it wasn't with her. It didn't feel like a beating. It felt like, okay, I did I, I did something. I know what I did. I got whipped for it. But for some reason, even today, I don't feel any, any resentment towards her. With him, it would always be over like stupid shit. Like you buy Capri Suns from like Costco and we're kids. We're taking the straws off and like, you know, the, the little plastic part and just like leaving it on the floor. And he would get angry over that. Like little stuff like that. Like no one needs to be hit over stuff like that. We get a little bit deeper into her parents' divorce. The best day of my life was, ew, I can't remember the date, but like it was March of 2010. I got accepted to Montclair State. Woo woo. And my mom texted me like later that day saying that the divorce was finalized. And I was just so relieved because I would finally be rid of him. My parents were fighting for something. And then my mom was like sick and tired of it or something. She was just like, I'm tired of this. And she's like, I'm fine for divorce. And I guess my dad didn't take her seriously. But then he, and, and so she served in papers. <laughs> so that happened. And I guess my dad was in shock. He was just like, what? Like, uh. like, my thing is with him, he doesn't know how to speak to people. Very condescending and you know, all of that. And it's just, when you keep speaking to people in a certain way, especially your wife, of course, why would she sit there and take that? Of course she was gonna file. Like, what do you think? You just, just keep here talking to her like that and she's just gonna stay? Like, what's wrong with you? So they divorced maybe, I think she filed maybe October. And of course they had the lawyer up. So that process took a couple of months. Finalized it in March. Oh my God, I was so relieved. But my sister was sad though. I mean, she's only three years younger than me, but I don't know. Maybe she just wanted to be, have this big happy family type of thing going on, which I understand for her because my dad kind of favored her. So of course, if we're taking me out of the equation, if it's just her, my dad and my mom, like of course that would seem like a happy, ideal situation for you. Cause they also, my mom and my sister got along too at that age. So I guess, you know, that was that. But I didn't feel bad at all. I was just like, I was so happy. I, what I didn't like was like, oh no, like this is March. And then I graduate in June. He not leaving, like he not. And on top of that, I felt from my mom because he was really just like living at her, living at her house, like eating her food, not leaving. No plan, no, in movies, we watch movies. Don't like men leave, like, oh, I'm getting my suitcase, I'm leaving. He was staying put. Which is embarrassing because I had a friend, like my neighbor, she used to like hitch a ride with us in the morning. For her to come in and see his cot in the middle of the living room, 
that makes me mad. Like, really? You can't even, like, take the effort to hide this? I asked Chelsea to go in more details about her relationship with her sister, and here's what she had to say. My dad, I feel like he was verbally abusive and sometimes physically abusive with me and, well, with us, but more so me. And I kind of took that out on my sister. I would, I guess, take that aggression out on her. Not intending, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid, I don't know any better. And I understand why she feels some type of way. Because you, you want to be, you think if, when you look at your sister, like your older sister, at least, you you want to be like them. And she expressed that to me, like when I spoke to her, like she's like, you know, I wanted to be like you and I, I wanted to follow you around and all this. And I felt really bad because even like with all like me, I w- it wouldn't be all the time. It would be with, like if I'm stressed out or something, or if he had just done something to me, I would sort of take it out on her. More so with her like just yelling and just like also like being condescending, like the same thing that he would do to me. With all of that, like me acting like that towards her, I know she still was like trying to like get my approval as a sister at the same time, which sucks. It's like, dang, like I really could, I really messed things up. But you know, I got older and I realized that it just clicked in my head at once. So me and her spoke about it. Come to find out like she tells me she has resentment towards me. And it's sad, like I don't want my sister to feel that way about me. And it also sucks because even now, like if we have a little argument, she'll go back to I guess that way of thinking of me, like, oh, I can't tell her anything and she's just, and she's that, and she's like so mean and this and that. Even though I'm not really being that way, but I feel like in her head, in her mind, that's how, that's how she sees me as. Chelsea mentioned dealing with depression and I ended up asking her to go into more details about therapy. In discussing this journey, she talks about going to college and kind of hitting the rock bottom that I would say she began rebuilding on. I finished college 2014, I didn't walk until 2015. I switched my major because if I was gonna stay with biology, they would have had me there for like 10 years. No, because I was a bio major and I wasn't doing well in biology. And I was putting like this pressure on myself because everyone's telling me, oh, we gotta go in this health field. Like your mom's in the health field, your aunt, like everyone's in this and do this and do that. And I really looked like, do I really wanna do this? I switched from like, I'm gonna be a dentist to I'm gonna be a physical therapist just being like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm about to be somebody's clipboard at the doctor's office. I can't, at least a clipboard, so we'll see some patients. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I just felt out of place. I wasn't doing well, which is like unusual for me. Cause even though in high school, I joked around a lot, I also did you know, yeah. decently in school. And then you get to college and like, you're not doing well and that's stressing me out. I also wanted to go home like all the time. Like I'm not about to be on campus for what? Like I don't have any friends here. I think I had like two. I mean, there's some people I know from like these other programs that I went to like in the past, like summer programs and stuff. But I feel like they had their friends. I didn't want to intrude on that, you know. After working at the movies with one of my friends, she said she also went there. So we got close there. Like now she's like one of my closest friends. That first year was rough. I decided to switch because I always liked psychology. So I switched to that. And I just found myself doing a little bit more better. You know, just things made sense. I was excelling until I wasn't, did not do well in my abnormal psychology class. Needless to say, I failed that class. Took the class again, got to be in it. But my, my GPA was still so trash from that F. So I, I really couldn't recover. I graduated, so I did something. Once we graduated, of course, I don't know why, I don't know how naive I, I was, but like, 
like, oh, I'm gonna get a job right after school. Like, no, like, I was sitting in my bed, like, playing PlayStation, waiting for people to call me, putting in applications. So if I graduated in May of 2015, mind you, I finished in August of 2014, so I had my diploma by, like, February of that following year. I just didn't walk until May. So I was good in February, but, like, I didn't get a job until, like, maybe November? As a matter of fact, no, February. I had an interview in November and they called me to work in February of 2016. Well, I was like out here struggling. I was, when I tell you, I was trying to sell my eggs. But I was, <laughs> I was also working at the movies. So it was that, but it was like, because I had graduated a little bit later than everyone else. I didn't get my diploma until February. So I really couldn't do anything from August. For like six months, I couldn't do anything. Just, you know, working at the movies and just, you know, living that life and, you know, putting in applications but not really hearing anything back. And then hear your African mother go, well, you gotta, you gotta call them, you gotta call them. You gotta, you, you have to want the job. Call them every day. I was like, mommy, who wanna be harassed? No, that's harassment, isn't it? You can't keep calling these people. In my mind, I was like, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Like, I can't, I can't do anything about that. But yeah, for like a whole year, I was kind of like down. People were out here in relationships. I'm sitting at home eat, watching Netflix and eating ice cream. And it was just people had like cars and this and that. And I was out here on the bus. It's like you keep scrolling, oh, vacations here and this and that, new cars and this and that. I'm like, I got like, I don't even know how much money I had in my damn savings account. It was just that. I think I was also like in credit card debt. I was paying it down and then I wasn't. And then from there, working at the movies, worked at Macy's. And that was a little bit better. The schedule was better, but it still wasn't enough. I think I saved up enough money after I graduated to finally get a car. I think I had like a little holiday job. I was like saving money, you know. But like the depression came around that time when I wasn't working. Just seeing your life compared to others and what you could have been doing if you like saved your money. It's just not even that. It's just like what you could have been doing if what if this and what if yeah, that. Yeah, you weren't in this predicament. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of like blaming yourself because of, oh, well, you're in this predicament because of you. It was getting to the point where like I stopped putting in applications. And it is crazy because... The person that I have now, this is like my third therapist over the course of like my life. I think I've been in therapy in and out for like 10 years. One main takeaway, of course, your parents mess you up. Like I said, like I had, I had a very strained relationship with my dad. So that, that was always there. And to talk about it to someone who's not like my mom or whatever, who doesn't know what's going on, who can has, who has an outside perspective on it, that was good. But then also realizing like, oh, like, oh, wait, my mom messed me up too. Like some, yeah. there were some things she did and some, some things that she said that that still stuck with me. And trying to just like break out of that habit. So if she says something like, oh, you're going to wear this or this out if you go out, if I, if I happen to go out. Trying not to like let that, I guess, offend me so much or affect me so much. Just, you know, know that. You know, you cute or whatever, and just go out there, you know, shake your ass. <laughs> it gives me insight on my family. You think of your parents as like gods. There's nothing wrong with them. They can't do this. But as you, the older you get, you start to realize, oh, wait, these people have flaws too. Like, yeah. you know, their trauma, they, they're they still running or trying to get over the trauma that they experienced in their childhood. And they try to give them like a break if they don't know how to handle a certain situation a certain way. And I think I've um, sort of done that with my mom. Like I'm not maybe as hard on her 
as I used to be, but she's changed a little bit. Um, whereas my dad, like he doesn't realize, like he doesn't see anything wrong with the way he's behaving. So he's just going to keep behaving the way he's behaving. So that's why I can't really bring myself to talk to him about anything in my life. Cause I, you don't, I don't think you care enough. I feel like with him, I'm like more fake, I guess. That's like the best way I can put it. I'll act like we'll talk but, and act like nothing's wrong. But inside I have like this anger <clears throat> towards him. Like, yeah, I'm just, I just want him to admit, just realize what he did yeah. to me and my sister as kids. Cause like, even when I had like that realization, like, oh, like this is how I treated my sister. Like I had that on my own. Like no one had to tell me how I treated her. Like I know I, was, I didn't treat her the best because I wasn't treated the best. He didn't treat me the best. Here we talk about how her background and her experiences have affected her relationships and how her relationships have evolved. Growing up in a household where like your parents don't really care about, not care about their marriage, but you can tell like it's not a loving relationship like everyone else. I mean, they wouldn't fight a lot, but it was just, you can tell like there was no I guess love there. It doesn't make any sense to me how like both of them have like Costco cards and why are they doing two separate grocery shoppings? Like what? He wants to live life like he's single. I feel like I haven't been in a relationship because I don't know what that means. I don't know what that entails. I have no blueprint of how that's supposed to look like a successful relationship. Of course you see stuff, all your friends, this and that, but you're not with your friends in growing up 24 7 you don't know what's behind closed doors for them is their thing like you grew up with with your parents and you should be able to like all kids should be able to see that that kind of love you know partnership compatibility they should be able to see all that they didn't have a partnership first and foremost they weren't not so much because of her my father's so damn difficult he he's just difficult like he wants to do things his way and be stubborn and all that whereas my mom is very willing to work together and compromise, but one person's pulling this way and that way, it's not gonna work. I remember working at Macy's and I guess this, I was like helping somebody sign up for a credit card and they called their wife. Like my parents, I don't think my father ever called my mother when it came to terms of like making decisions. Even like so much as like applying for a credit card, never. They're never, like, they were never on one page. And it just shocked me. I was like, whoa, this man, what? You you actually getting, not permission, but just like, oh, like, let me see what so-and-so was thinking so to see if we can afford this debt or whatever. You yeah. know, like, it just, that was like shocking to me. Here is where Chelsea is now. This is how she's doing day by day. I do feel lighter telling someone how I felt about certain situations where I might not have told someone else. It's made me feel free, you know, free and just gives me a perspective on people. Like a burden has been lifted a little bit. I don't find myself being, like, of course we have a little, you know, fits of rage every now and then, but nothing to where I'm out here yelling at people on the street for no reason because of trauma from the past, you know? But I definitely, I definitely do feel, uh, feel free. Chelsea's story. Talk to me. I enjoyed it. I really did. The reason I like the story so much is because it's something that most people can relate to. Yeah. 
some of the stories we've done in the past have been, you know, stories where you hear what somebody is going through and then you're like, oh, wow, like this. It's some people may not be able to relate to some things. But I think this is one of those stories that kind of covers a lot of people. The part where she was speaking about looking at her friends is doing good and Mm -hmm. just thinking about all that. I think that's something that most people face now, especially in this age of social media. Yes. It's something that we need to talk about more Mm. and we need to address more. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I think for me, that was when she talks about her post-grad experience, that was definitely one of the parts that resonated with me the most. Basically, how she expected that she was going to get this great job right after college. And for whatever reason, I had the same assumption. And I think you go in not realizing how naive that is. And for us, I know even now, sometimes when... When I go on LinkedIn, every other post is, hey, I've been looking for a job. I can't find something. And so you think, like she said, that it's only you who is going through this thing. And that just compounds the shame and the negative self-talk and all of that even more. And then you go online, which is what we have now, and you see other people. Of course, it's a curated experience, but still, other people seem to be living their best lives while you're the person who something must be wrong with because you still have not been able able to land a job i think that is very relatable for a lot of young millennials that are job searching and that are doing all of that right now so if you're there keep your head up we've been there but also i think it's about understanding that even though yes people are doing good there are people who see all that and they get genuinely like jealous and bitter and angry and it comes out in other ways and there are people who feel like oh this is a problem with me, this is this. But I think finding that balance of knowing when to look at it, like, oh, this person is doing good, you know, being happy for them. Yeah. And also, you know, and still knowing that, oh, I would like to be in a better place, but I don't have to respond to their happiness with this anger or jealousy you know yeah but that's easier said than done and i think the overall sentiment is that you're being left behind it's like everyone's progressing or everyone's showing you rather that they're progressing and there's this feeling of being left behind and that feeling is compounded when you feel like it's your fault that you are left behind like it's something that you're just not doing you know enough of if it seems like everyone else is progressing I think that's the part that's easier said than done. I think we're in uncharted territories with social media. I mean, no one else has ever had this. So it'd be interesting to see all the reports and studies that come out to show how we've like our generation has been affected but i definitely like for the fact that you know she talks about depression and her depression being compounded in this time i know that that's that's a common story even for me i think it's also telling that a lot of us happen to tie our worth to our occupation or to whether or not we have a job and i think a lot of us don't even realize that but yeah i I think that's why chelsea's story especially about that period in her life really really resonated with me i did want to ask you how do you feel about parents having favorites it's a human thing to have to have favorites i think it depends on how you deal with it and how you express that or put it out there doing one thing for one and blatantly not doing it for the other one kind of like that lets the kids know that yeah like there's something here yeah um and stuff like that sticks it sticks like she said 
her dad calling her Chels and just calling the her sister a uh, more intimate uh, or endearing name yeah stuff like that could really like scar kids especially at that age definitely agree and i think like you said because a lot of these experiences have longer lasting effects it kind of it makes you question um parenting just in general how a lot of people approach parenting a lot of us walk around and we we think that we're okay, but our adult selves are still acting out on what our young selves experienced. And but because we've been taught that, you know, once we get older, none of those things matter. A lot of us think that we're fine and that we're over them. And I think that's what I really liked about Chelsea's story is that, you know, it's not as sensational, it's more relatable. But I like that she talks about therapy and uncovering a lot of these things and and coming to the realization that certain things, you know, affected her adult self in ways that she didn't even know. And I think sometimes that's what a lot of people are scared of. I think a lot of people are scared of opening what they feel is that can of worms. But I think for those of us who say we want to parent differently and who say that we're going to be different with our children, there's there's no way to be different if you don't learn the tools or if you don't unlearn a lot of these things that definitely suck with you and that influence how you behave as an adult. Um, There are many people who would rather not deal with stuff and just say, you know what, I'm good. It's not a big deal. But then you wonder why some things just don't work for you. Yeah. There's this thing that I'm sure many guys have come across older men telling you that, hey, you have to make sure that whatever woman you're dealing with, that she likes you more. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure women come across it too with older women who tell them that. That thing sounds like OG wisdom. It sounds (laughs) like an older person telling you something. But what it really is, is fear. It's fear of being taken for idiots. Um, that's what it is. It's just fear of its insecurity. It's fear. It's all those things combined. So you're always going to process stuff like that if you don't deal with it. And I hope more of us are dealing with these things. Absolutely. Because, you know, remember that if you don't deal with it, and I think kind of like in Chelsea's case, you work it out on other people. The things that you haven't worked out, you know, that you haven't processed for yourself, you end up working out on other people. I know that for me... My armor is being the knower. That's what I've been unpacking a lot of, a lot of just understanding that I don't need to be or do anything in order to be deserving of love. But that took me a while. It took me a while even to realize that I didn't love myself as much as we try and do this whole love yourself, love yourself stuff. And I think a lot of that depends on our blueprint, right? Did we have a blueprint for healthy love? And another thing Chelsea touched on, which I wanted to ask you about, Wale, is coming to this place of understanding her mom more. Um, and I know that that is also true for me. Have you gotten there? Have you come? Have you gotten to the place where you're kind of more compassionate with your parents and their experiences? Yeah, yeah. It's something that I that I came to. It's a point I came to a while back. The way I process it is I usually look at the age that I am and I compare it to my parents' age and the kind of things that were going on when they were that age. So then it kind of gives me a clear picture of, yo, like, if you haven't figured life out at this point, expecting them to have figured it out at that point is kind with, of reaching. With children. <laughs> Exactly. Like I, I don't have a child. I don't have like all these things. I'm dealing with things, but I'm not dealing with the kind of things they were dealing with back then. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives you a, a, a perspective of thinking, you know what, even if I can still recognize that there are things that could have done better, I can 
also deal with it with empathy yeah. and understanding that they don't have to be perfect and it's okay that they were not perfect but everything is a journey you know and it's up to us to speak to our parents and try to understand things that happened sometimes the picture you have in your head isn't the full picture of what happened at that point so it's always easy to say oh yeah this happened when i was 10 years old and then this 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 sometimes there are things you didn't see there are things you didn't notice and a grown-up would probably see a bit more but yeah this story was really good i i hope you enjoyed it i hope it was one that made you think about different things thanks to chelsea for sharing your story thanks joe thanks you guys for listening keep listening keep sharing with your friends and people around you we see the social media posts keep tagging us online keep dropping comments keep leaving the reviews keep leaving the ratings you know just keep spreading the word it's always nice to have these episodes out for you guys sharing these stories if you want to leave us a voice note send us a voice note on whatsapp at 347-370-9360 that's 347 347- Three seven zero nine three six zero. We're gonna play some of the voice notes on there. Tell us how much you like the podcast. Tell us what you like, um, and also tell us what you like or what you think we could do better. And also, if you have stories you want us to work on, you can leave a voice notes or you can send us an email at in these moments pod at gmail.com. Also, you can find us on Twitter at moments pod. You can find us on Instagram at in these moments pod. You can find me on Twitter at King Wale, that's K-I-N-G-W-O-L-E and you can find Timmy at Timmy Nero, that's T-E-M-I underscore N-I-R-A-N on Twitter and on Instagram, there is no underscore. So thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with you with a new episode in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.